Hey everyone, my name is Adam and welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. At the end of today's episode, please take a minute and download our free Chestnut Ridge app. It has all our recent message content and more. You can also head to theridge.church to get information on service times and get info on everything going on here at the Ridge. We hope this podcast will encourage and inspire you as you continue to grow in your relationship with God and others. Well, good morning. That is the question we ask sometimes. God, where were you when I was going through this? Or sometimes maybe some of us are asking even now, where are you now? All of us uh, suffer. All of us suffer in similar ways, but our suffering is not the same. I think some people suffer in worse ways. Some people suffer more often. It's, it's, not, it's not equal how often people suffer, how much people suffer. And I don't know why it's like that. Why it is that some seem to suffer so much more than other people. As I was preparing this, I was reminded of a, a, a family I knew about 25 years ago that attended the church and just what they went through. They had a, a girl that was about 13 years old and she was involved with a freak sledding accident. That's all I could describe it as, a freak sledding accident. And she lost her life. And the family was trying to pick up the pieces with this and less than a year later, the mom was getting ready to deliver a baby. And everything had looked perfect up to the very point of the delivery, but something went wrong in the process of the delivery and they lost the child. And I went to the hospital and I looked at that baby and the thought occurred to me, I've never seen such a perfect baby. Suddenly I was doing a funeral, another funeral. I don't know what it would be like to be a family like that but to bury two of their children. What I know today and what I want to talk about here today, though, is that our God is the God of all comfort and that none of us is exempt from suffering. We all suffer in different ways. Uh, we suffer physically. Some of us have put up with a lot of physical suffering. We suffer emotionally or psychologically sometimes. I think we suffer even spiritually. Some of you have been through what's been termed now as spiritual abuse. You've, we suffer in so many different ways. According to the Heritage Dictionary of English Language, to suffer is to experience, undergo, or feel something painful, injurious, or unpleasant. It's to undergo or be subjected to a negative experience or development that definition, as I read it, is wholly unsatisfying to me. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think, no, it's so much more than that. Suffering is more than that, the pain. I think of my own suffering, and it hasn't been like so many, but physically, for example, I've, I've suffered with back issues for at least 10 years. I remember kind of the day it happened. I was at the gym. I was working on my core. I had to get beautiful abs going here, you know. And I was on one of these machines where you go back and forth like this, you know, and you put the weights there. And I was always one to push it a little bit more than I probably should, and I would turn further than I should. And then all of a sudden, I heard snap. It literally, I heard, like from back here, it's like something broke. I just couldn't believe it. Now, I don't believe that at that moment I went to the doctor. It wasn't long after that, though. Then I went to pick up something and suddenly I just collapsed. I was in so much pain. I remember lying on the, the floor there thinking, now what do I do about this? 
I, I literally couldn't move anything. It's everything hurt. Like I, it was just a big nerve. My whole body was one big nerve. Went to the doctor. I found out I had three herniated discs. He said, oh, and you got other, you got kind of a mess back there. He said, you got arthritis back there, you know? One of the doctors thought maybe I had stenosis, which is kind of a narrowing of the canal by the nerve or whatever. When I asked specifically what's causing the pain, he says, well, it's probably one of five things, and I don't know what it is, but he was later to tell me this. He said, but when you get to the point where you're ready to jump out of a building because it hurts so bad, come back and see me, and we'll do something about it. Now, therapies have helped, you know, physical therapy and chiropractic care and other things, stretch therapy, other things. But I've had this for about 10 years and I've suffered in other ways as well. Not just physically, I've suffered embarrassment. I think growing up, I was so embarrassed about our, our financial situation. We weren't, I don't think anyone looked at us and thought, oh, they're poor. I don't, I don't think that was the case. But we live in a neighborhood where all our neighbors were doing much better than we were, and so I was embarrassed by the clothes I wore. We'd get hand-me-downs, not just from my brothers, but people in the church did feel a little sorry for my parents with their four boys, and so they'd be giving us boxes of used clothing, and some of those, like, I wouldn't be caught dead in. Talk about suffering. And I hated one of the cars my parents drove, this station wagon with the fake paneling, and I apologize if you drive one of those now. <laughs> I was embarrassed about it. I was terrorized by the class bully when I was a freshman in high school. I've suffered through the death of both of my parents now and other loved ones, including my dog Toby. Here's a picture of Toby. When, when Toby died, I lost it. Um, I did not want a dog. So the starting point is I did not want a dog. All the kids were begging for a dog, and we went to this place. I said, well, we can look, you know. I didn't want to buy one. And we went there, and there were, there were five dogs of this one litter, and the kids said, we each want one. I said, no, I don't want a dog because I'll end up taking care of it. I, I knew that. But we brought one home. I got a TV out of it. That was the agreement. Okay, well, fine, I'll get a new TV. We'll get the dog. But I became Toby's favorite everywhere I went. I'd work at home, work on the message on Tuesdays, is what I usually do, and there would be Toby. I'd get up, Toby get up. I'd sit down, Toby sat down all over the house, and, and then very quickly, and just really in one day, something happened, then she was gone. Couldn't believe it. We all understand those suffering. And think for a moment of your own life, maybe. Think about some of the ways in which you have suffered or you're suffering now. Emotional things, physical things, spiritual things maybe. Ways in which you're suffering. We might be tempted to think that God can't really sympathize with our suffering. That he can't really relate to it. After all, God's God. You know, what does he know about pain? He doesn't have a physical body. Of course, Jesus did, but... What does God know about pain? But what I want us to understand here today, and this is my takeaway today, is that no one has suffered as God has and no one can comfort as he can. No one has suffered the way God has. No one. He suffered longer ever since he created Adam and Eve. 
to the present hour, he suffered longer and in greater ways. We can't even appreciate all the ways in which our creator has suffered. No one has suffered as he has, and no one can comfort as he can. Now, there are two ideas here that I hope that we get a hold of, and, and they're connected. The, the idea of suffering and the idea of providing comfort kind of go hand in hand because someone who has suffered is in a position to extend comfort in a, a different way, a deeper way, right? You know, when my father passed away, I had people come up and express their comfort to me and I appreciated everything everyone said. But the ones that were most meaningful to me is when someone came up to me and said, I remember when my dad passed away and it was really tough. And when I realized that they, they really did understand, you know, before my dog Toby passed away, um, I didn't have a lot of sympathy for losing a pet. I'm just telling you I didn't. If somebody said my dog died, I would think, well, I'm sorry. I mean, I was, I was sorry, but it's a dog. That's what I thought. It's just a pet, you know, they die. And then Toby died. It changed everything. I almost get to tears when I see that somebody says my dog died today. I realized, well, you see, I understood at a different level that they're, they were like part of the family. It's not just that the dog died. One of the members of the family died. And now I can understand, and now I can provide a certain comfort that I couldn't before. Our God has experienced suffering that we will not understand. And at the same time, he's called the God of all comfort. Today we're wrapping up our series, Unusual God. We could have actually stayed on this the rest of the year. But this is one of the ways that's unique about the way our God is described. He's called the God of all comfort. We find this in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and this can be translated compassion. You know, the way God presented himself to Moses, I'm gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies or compassion, and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. He's saying that God provides comfort to you so that you then can comfort others with the comfort you receive from him. It's also one of the ways in which God does comfort us. The word affliction in this, where it says here, he comforts us in our affliction, my Bible has a little asterisk there that says you could translate that trouble. Your suffering takes many forms. It could be trouble. It could be uh, tribulation, which is really just a hard time. Trials, you know, specific difficulties. Oppression, sometimes we are oppressed. But it comes from a Greek word that means to be under pressure. When we suffer, when we have an affliction, we're under the pressure of something. The image that comes to my mind is that of like a... a Pressure cooker. You know, my mom had one of those when we were growing up. You could cook broccoli in half the time with a pressure cooker. <laughs> put a little water in, put on that lid, and it just just uh, heats it, turns it into mush almost if you keep it there too long. Our trials can have a similar effect on our lives. 
I like how 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 is translated through the, the New Living Translation. They put it this way, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Now, I'm making the point that God knows a thing or two about suffering, and therefore, he's able to comfort us like no one else. No one has suffered as God has. No one can comfort as he can. And my goal this morning is twofold. Number one is to paint a picture a little bit of how God has suffered. Probably about a year ago, I talked about a similar subject, just focusing on God the Father. I'm going to expand things today to the, to the entire Trinity. The entire Trinity has suffered but I want us to get just a little bit of a taste of the ways in which God has suffered, and then the second goal is that you would then turn to him. With whatever you're facing, that you would allow him to share within the suffering with you, to sit right beside you, to be there right with you, which our God does. There's so many examples in the Bible where God was right there. I think of Joseph, it says, but God was with him. And our God is with us, and he wants to be there, and he wants to comfort us. Unfortunately, we turn to other things for comfort. Sometimes it's things like drugs and alcohol. Sometimes it's a relationship, which relationships can be part of the solution, but they can also become unhealthy in our lives. It could be entertainment. It could be even working too much. I've known many that when they went through a difficult time, they just devoted themselves to being busy, busy, so they wouldn't have to think of their suffering. But what if we could sit in the midst of our suffering with our God and allow him to comfort us? to experience that kind of comfort. That's what I hope will happen. So how has our God suffered? Well, I want to talk first about the Heavenly Father. In Genesis chapter 6, we read the first hint that he suffered, although again, I would argue God has suffered since Adam and Eve, which is 6,000 years ago. He's been suffering all along. Can you imagine what went through the heart of God when Cain killed Abel or when even Adam and Eve disobeyed him? how broke his heart, that you didn't trust me? I don't think we think of God having these kinds of feelings or struggles, if I can put it that way. But in Genesis chapter 6, things got really, really bad. God suffered in the form of grief. And it was over a decision he needed to make whether to start over with humanity on this planet through a flood. Uh, can you imagine how bad things had to have been for God to arrive at that particular point? But in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, we read, When the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every scheme in his mind, his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Now, when it says God regretted that he made people... This is not suggesting that he made a mistake. It's not like he saw what happened and he said, oh, I, I, that caught me by surprise. I'm, I regret I did this. That's not what the word means. The, the word has the idea of he, he saw, suffered. It's, it's like the situation had become regrettable. I regret what I'm seeing down there. God had created people in his own image. We were supposed to be the ones that reflected what our God was like more than anything else God created. We had become thoroughly corrupted. We had been created to be a joy to our God. 
but we brought sorrow to him instead. I don't think we can appreciate what the world was like in the time of Noah. And, and people, I think, struggle with the idea that God would possibly judge the whole world with a flood. But I'd like to suggest that the world was not living, worth living in at that time. There was so much violence, there was so much injustice, there was so much wickedness. It said every thought of humanity was just evil all the time. All they did was sit around and think of more ways to do bad things. It was horrible. It was irredeemable is what I think of. You can't fix it. There's sometimes things get to a point you can't fix it. Or it doesn't make sense to fix it. I think of some of the cars I've driven over the years. I usually drive a car until it dies. I just kind of drive it to the end. And so I have a car right now, a Honda CRV. I guess it doesn't matter if I mention what it is, but it's got 186,000 miles on it. And I was thinking just this past week if the engine goes, will I replace it and keep driving this thing? It's just so cheap. I mean, I know it's $3,500 to replace an engine, but got a car. And I've done this in the past with various things, but then the thought occurred to me, yeah, I'm going to replace the engine, but the transmission's going to go tomorrow. The chassis probably's all rusted. I've done that before, too, with cars. I fix this thing. A month later, it's this thing. A month later, it's this thing. It's 500 bucks a shot. At a certain point, you look at the thing and say, I got to start over. Finally, bite the bullet and go out and get a new car. And that's what I think happened in the world. And that grieved God, but I think the thing that grieved God more than anything else and the greatest suffering he endured was sending his own son into this world to die in our place and for our sin. And I, I think that was, if I can put it this way, it was hard on God. Can you imagine what it was like for him to watch down as they were whipping his own son, treating him the way they did? I'd, I'd jump out of heaven and come down and let people know who I was. He put up with it. Of course, he had other things in mind. There was a part of a bigger plan. Before I'm done here, I'll wrap up with like one minute of reasons why suffering can be a good thing, why God does allow it sometimes. But our God suffered. But let's talk about the second member of the Trinity. And when we think of God's suffering, of course, we go here most of the time. I would suggest that Jesus Christ suffered more than any of us ever have in every way, he has suffered just like we have. Psalm 22 gives a glimpse of what went through Jesus' mind as he hung on the cross. It's remarkable because we're talking about Psalms, talking about the Old Testament. We're talking about something that was written a thousand years before Jesus appeared on the scene. But as I'm reading this, you think about Jesus. It was fulfilled exactly in Jesus Christ. And he, he couldn't have even orchestrated that from a human perspective, what happened. Like it talks about the selling of his clothing, for example. He couldn't have orchestrated that from the cross. It's passages like Psalm 22 that prove to me the Bible is true. It's the word of God and we need to listen to it. But in Psalm 22, verse, verses 1 through 8, we get a glimpse of how Jesus suffered. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how he felt. Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer by night, yet I have no rest. Haven't you felt like that before? I'm calling out, where were you? The song we sung earlier. Verse 3, but you are holy and thrown on the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you rescued them. 
They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let the Lord deliver him since he takes pleasure in him. Remarkable clarity about what happened. As the people, as the leaders, as even the criminals hanging on either side of Jesus mocked him, you saved others. Why don't you save yourself? Call out to God if, if he's so pleased with you. And folded exactly this way. He continues though. Many bulls surround me. Strong ones of Bashan encircle me. I just envision this scene where you're standing out there and you see the bulls surrounding you and you're no place to go. They open their mouths against me, lions, mauling and roaring. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lot for my clothing. Do you see all the different kinds of suffering there? Emotional suffering. There's some grief there. The physical pain, of course, that he was enduring. He suffered in so many different ways, and yet I love the way this psalm ends because it becomes for us an example of what we should do. Because somehow in the midst of what he was suffering, even at the cross, he found his father. He was comforted in that moment by his God. And so the psalm ends this way, beginning in verse 22, I will proclaim your name to my brothers. I will praise you in the congregation. You who fear the Lord or Yahweh, that's his Hebrew name, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, that includes us, through faith in Christ, revere him. For he has not despised or detested the torment of the afflicted. Praise him because he did not leave you just hanging there. He did not ignore your suffering. He knew all about it and he was somehow there in the midst of it, although it's hard for us to understand it. Jesus was not abandoned at the cross, although at a moment, of course, the father turned away at a certain point, which I think is the greatest thing Jesus ever suffered, was when he took upon himself the sin of the world and the holy God turned away for a moment. What he suffered in that moment after an eternity of just oneness with his father Isaiah 52, the whole chapter talks, or much of the chapter talks about Jesus as well, but verse 14 says, just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man, and his form did not resemble a human being. Do you realize that's how bad it was for Jesus? You know, years ago, the, the Passion of the Christ came out, Mel Gibson's movie, and, um, you know, it was a disturbing movie. It's a disturbing movie. You look at what they, you know, all the blood, really, did you have to, did you have to make it so gruesome, so bloody? You know, I like to watch a movie, to enjoy a movie. I don't want to sit there. You can't enjoy that movie. It's not meant for enjoyment. But as gruesome as it was, 
in this Isaiah passage, it says he was so disfigured, he didn't even look like a man. Other verses say they pulled out his beard. We don't have a clue. Of course, the suffering of Jesus physically did not start here. As soon as he took on flesh and blood, he knew what it was to suffer hunger and thirst. He knew what sleepless nights were all about. He suffered physically for us. He certainly suffered emotionally. The emotional pain of betrayal. You can hear it in Jesus' question to Judas when he said, you betray me with a kiss? That's how this has gone down? I've been with you for three years. His heart was sad. We know this from the Old Testament that he knew the disciples were all going to flee, but it still... It just saddened him so much. It broke his heart. He was so alone. He needed them at that moment, and they were gone. He knew what that was like. But the end, being forsaken was the worst part of it by his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No one has suffered as God has. No one can comfort as he can. And this is why the writer of Hebrews, in verses Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, lay out my main point. It goes this way, for we do not have a high priest, referring to Jesus, who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested or tried in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that whatever you're facing, we may receive mercy and find grace to help at the proper time. Our God is able to give us grace and mercy and help. We're encouraged, go boldly before the throne of grace because Jesus knows what you're going through. He can sympathize with your weaknesses. The word sympathize means to suffer with. Do you think he doesn't know what, what's going through in terms of your suffering, what's going on in your heart and mind? Do you think his heart doesn't break by the things he sees even these days and the things that we suffer? Heavenly Father suffers, has suffered, so has Jesus. But the Trinity, there's not as much on this one, but the Holy Spirit is capable of suffering as well. We get one hint of this in Ephesians 4.30 where we read, don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You are sealed by him for the day of redemption. Don't grieve him. It's writing to Christians saying, don't make the Holy Spirit sad. Don't make him want to cry because of the things you do. Here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. He is, by the way, a person, not a force. Elsewhere in the book of Acts, we read about lying to the Holy Spirit. You could lie to the Holy Spirit. But he's a person, and, and if you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and then you go everywhere with him. Whatever you do, the Spirit is there with you. When you participate in this thing or that thing, He's right there. And I think it breaks His heart because all along He's saying, you know, really don't do that. Go over here, do this thing. It grieves Him. I think we'd be shocked if we knew how we're making Him feel, and yet He is what's called our paraclete in the New Testament. A paraclete is someone who's called alongside. He's, it's translated comforter. Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, has come to be our comforter because it's Jesus through the Spirit. They're all working together on this thing. We just need to understand our God is moved by, though, all the things we suffer. 
And suddenly read these verses again that I began with in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. I'll make a few other comments. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies or compassion, and the God of all comfort, not just some. You won't find comfort in these other things. He's the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now, I think when we suffer, sometimes we get angry with God, and I've known some people that were angry with God for years over what happened to them. But I want to encourage you in the midst of whatever you're facing to turn to him. He understands. Don't turn away from him in this time. Turn toward him. And we won't always know why he allows certain things to happen to us, but as I mentioned at the front end of this, there are some benefits that do come from suffering. Four of them that I've talked about in the past. One is that suffering can make us stronger. The half-brother of Jesus put it this way in James 1, beginning in verse 2, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And then he goes on to say, it'll make you mature. It'll grow you up. And then James goes on to say, but if you lack wisdom about it, if you don't understand why you're suffering, then ask God about it, and he'll give you some wisdom. He'll give you some understanding. But it does make us stronger. Second, it keeps us humble, so we'll rely upon our God because when things are going well, we tend to forget them. But when we suffer, when things are difficult, it reminds us to turn back to our Creator. He can fill that role of being our comforter. Third, it provides an opportunity for us to connect in a deeper way with other people. The church is supposed to be about weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. And God, again, wants to comfort us through others sometimes. And finally, suffering reminds us that this home is not our own. This is not our home. We're told don't love the world or the things of the world. We get so attached to this world and this stuff. But suffering reminds us this is not the end. You know, my citizenship is in heaven. I'm eagerly waiting for a savior there. So let me ask you two questions here. First of all, is there some way in which you're suffering? If you could think about what are one or two ways in which you're suffering. And then the second question is, are you willing to turn to God with your suffering? Are you willing to sit with him in the midst of it and allow him to comfort you? Let's pray. Father, I'm just reminded again of this verse that says you're the God of all comfort. You really do understand both pain and comfort. You know what it is to suffer. And I thank you, Lord, about this because you volunteered. You did not have to suffer. But you chose a painful life because you loved us so much and you wanted us to be with you forever. And you were willing to put up with all of this so that one day we could spend an eternity with you in a place where there'll be no suffering. But in the meantime, Lord, we want to look to you. In the meantime, we want to find you in that place to be our comforter. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.